0: What is going on, everybody, and welcome to the Saturday edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show. past few days have been crazy. I am your host, Josh Harris. Uh, Both of us are a little bit under the weather here. Uh, Rare that we didn't have a show yesterday. Got a message from Cliffy in the middle of the night, and that was a bit worrisome because this dude will work through anything and uh this was his first sick day that i remember
1: yeah five five, this is my fifth season here that was my first uh time having to take a a day off because i was sick it was it was just not good
0: (laughs) and i would have won solo yesterday but i had no voice so i had a lot of hot tea yesterday and uh got a seven gamer lots of teams on the back-to-back here i would say i know what happened yesterday but I don't really. I fell asleep uh, before nine fifteen, so uh, I checked the box scores. I saw what happened. I cashed, you know, whatever. I used Nashville and Ottawa, but a lot of these, uh, a lot of these late games, I missed the action of. But you know, the box scores don't tell the whole story. Not like I watch like nineteen hours of hockey a night, but. <clears throat>
1: I mean, I did see the Leafs blow a three-one lead to Columbus to lose six-five in overtime. That's always nice to wake up to.
0: Yeah, and that was the thing in the chat. Clayton, Clayton was like, "I said I liked the Leafs last night," and he was like, "You're gonna have to delete this." I said, "You know what? Liking the Leafs and knowing they're fraudulent, not mutually exclusive." <laughs> so they got a good performance and they lost. That was a win-win. That was like the best thing I ever did. Also, yeah, Connor Ingram. Shut out the ducks. I like the ducks last night, but I always like the ducks. But how are you doing? You had a nice little few days.
1: Yeah, just it's just been a bit of a whirlwind because whirlwind, I had that five days without power and then power came back. And then 12 hours later, I had to leave to go visit family for Christmas. So I was gone for four days. Then I come back and then two days after that, I'm sick. So it's just it's been a little rough couple weeks here, but um, just I like this. Seven gamer that we have here tonight. Cause it does look like there are a couple smash spots. And I think that's gonna leave maybe some higher priced or elite lines like way overlooked. And that's kind of what we're seeing in the top stacks. So I like slates like this where there are obvious spots, but it there are a lot of good teams in the non-obvious spots that you can switch to. So um one of those slates where you where you know you're playing against the players in the tournaments that you're in. I like those.
0: Yeah. I'm looking at the top stacks right now of the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10. Of the top 10 lines, two of them are projected for over 24% ownership. The other eight are under 8.5%. So, yeah, it, there's going to be lots of options tonight. And even if you build a chalky first stack, there's plenty of ways to get different, even though it's a seven game or so. I do kind of echo those sentiments there let's get into this shall we as always thank you uh for your support over the past few weeks it means a lot as always um what am i saying as always we uh get paid through our affiliate link so if you are premium and your membership is expiring and you want to renew it please go through the uh, affiliate link so we don't live in a van down by the river i can do that because my voice is all messed up so i can sound like chris farley i don't really want to live in a van down by the river and i won't if you guys don't get a membership but if you do have a membership and you do want to support us further uh it means a lot for, for means a lot to us if you go through the link which i will post in the chat there we go New Jersey Devils with a 2.7 total. Heading into Boston, the Bruins have a 3.3 total. Devils played last night. They won. They embarrassed the Sens. The Sens are just atrocious. They are a joke. I don't understand what the coach is doing either for the Sens. They practiced morning two games in a row with Kachuk, Stutzla, Drew, and then yesterday morning – or, yeah, yesterday morning, they practiced Stutzla, Kachuk, Batherson, And both times at pregame skate, they went back to Kachuk, Norris, and someone. So I don't know what, what that's about, but kind of screwed up my lineup, but it's okay. Devils took advantage there. Not too much ownership in this game on the Devil side. One of the highest uh, positive leverage lines is going to be the the Jack Hughes line. Now, Boston's on the front end of a back-to-back, so we don't have their starter confirmed yet. Devils played last night with uh, Nigel Dawes, so it's going to be Vitek, Vanacek in that tonight. And Boston going – mixing up their lines a bit. They're going Pasternak, Zaka, Geeky, Marshan, Coyle, DeBrusque, Uh, Devils – probably the same as last night coming off a win, so Hughes-Brat to Foley. This is interesting because not much ownership on that Hughes line. It's not the best matchup because the Boston goaltending has been very, very good. Boston top line, not super great defensively. I mean, none of the Boston lines are traditional Boston defensive juggernauts, so I don't mind going back to the Devil's top line here. It's one of those... Lines you were just talking about, a little bit more expensive than the chalk going overlooked here. Normally back-to-back would annoy me, but almost every team on this slate is back-to-back. Now, the Devils don't have the highest road total, 2.7. It's not great, but a 3% ownership for a fully correlated line. I don't mind taking a stab there. Boston size is a little bit more interesting just because the Devils' goaltending has been atrocious. That line line's coming in at eighteen three, which is pretty pretty cheap. It's fully correlated. You get geeky on the top power play unit as well. I think I prefer the devil side. The Boston top line getting a little bit of positive leverage at eight point five percent. Not in love with the line combination, but when the devil when you're facing a team with the goaltending as bad as the Devils, I think it piques my interest.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I. One thing I will say about the Boston defense is the top line has been better defensively when Brad Marchand's not been there, and you know you got to think maybe it's just the way the Marchand is playing, a little bit of age, you know that type of thing. So I I don't I, I'm not like I'm not I'm not super confident that it's going to be their defensive numbers are going to be as poor as they've typically been with him there. And here's the thing that bothers me about the New Jersey top line is their ice time levels are really starting to dip. That's something we talked about with Tyler Toffoli uh, last week, I believe. Um, you know, Jack Hughes, like 19 and a half minutes per game over the last couple of weeks. Bratton Toffoli, summers around, you know, 15 and a half to 17 and a half minutes. Like, that's really not a lot when you're paying 21,000 on DK, over 21,000 on DK for that line. Like they're the second most expensive line on the slate and you might not, you know, their wingers might not play 17 minutes here tonight. Like that's kind of the issue I'm running into with New Jersey. And if there were, if there weren't like a bunch of other expensive lines, like if Edmonton wasn't on the slate and Tampa Bay wasn't on the slate or whatever, I think I might be more inclined. But where you have similarly low ownership for Tampa Bay Top line. It's similarly low ownership for Edmonton top line. If they're all in the same neighborhood, and I know Edmonton's guys are probably going to play 20 plus, and you know Kucherov, and Point are probably going to play 20 and 22 minutes respectively, or whatever. That's that's kind of my issue with the New Jersey top line. Like, I just think there are, uh, you know, not that Edmonton's in a great matchup. Tampa Bay's is fine. I just think there there are better matchups at a similar price, similar ownership, and where the ice time concerns aren't the same. Like, you know, Jack Hughes only has 17 shots in his last five games, like five games, small sample. But, you know, this is a guy that's put up anywhere four to five shots a game over the first, you know, six, eight weeks of the season. So I think I'm out on on New Jersey one. New Jersey two is where it kind of gets more interesting for me because, like, this isn't a matchup where – I'm like, oh, the New Jersey top line is perfectly correlated on power play. Like, this isn't a good power play matchup for them. Like, Boston does take a lot of penalties, but they're a very good penalty-killing team. So, Hischer, um, Hollett, and Platt is what's kind of interesting to me because Hischer and Platt, with anybody but Jesper Brad, three expected goals per 60 minutes of five-on-five five in their time together. Like, that's pretty good. And when you're going up against the second and third lines from Boston, you know, depending on how they throw around their matchups, um It's not something that I'm super worried about, so I think I kind of like New Jersey too better here, and just going with them as a filler. Like they're coming in with negative leverage on the top stacks, but it's not that bad. Like 1.1% top two uh, top two stack percentage, 1.8% ownership. You want just two man it and leave Hall off or something like that. I think that's fine, but I think I'd rather go to the second, maybe even the third lines from New Jersey, just because I think there are other top lines. That are, like I said, similarly priced, similar ownership that just don't have the same ice time concerns um, on the Boston side. I like I do like both top lines here. Um, I would probably go with the line that's not going to go into um, Nico Uh That's probably going to be coiled to Brusque and Marchand. But I'm not I'm not. How should I say this? The big reason for for stacking against New Jersey is their goaltending, right? Like it's their goaltending that's basically let them down all season. It's the same thing with Carolina, even though Kachuk has been a lot better, and we'll talk about that later. It's just that the their penalty or their goaltending has been brutal, whether on the penalty kill or at five on five. Um, I think I prefer the Marchand-Coyle to line. I know you only get one guy on the top power play unit, but again. I don't think this is a particularly great power play matchup like New Jersey's right around league average for time shorthanded. Boston's below average for power play opportunities per game. So I think I'm on both second lines in this game, but I certainly do understand going to both both top lines. I even wrote up Morgan Geeky in the article um, up on Stochastic.com. Just head to the NHL section. It's free to read. I wrote him up just because they're all on the top power play. You know I like an $18,300 line at home against the New Jersey goaltending with positive leverage and perfectly correlated on the power play. Like there are reasons to play that Boston top line. I just think I like the matchups a little bit better, um, for the second line. So that's where I'm leaning Boston two uh Boston to New Jersey two. if I were to play one of the top lines, I think I'd play Boston one.
0: Yeah. Your point about the minutes is a good one. And, um, you know, whether it's the coach wanting to roll three lines or trying to get something going. Another thing that I've noticed with the Devils recently, they've really started to miss Dougie Hamilton. Um, He's their best puck mover by far. Luke, Luke Hughes had a very, very good game last night. Don't get me wrong. His first career three-point game, but there's no one who can move the puck on that blue line like Dougie. So, yeah, kind of agree there. $20 super chat from... Greg says, Happy New Year. Sending good mojo. Thank you for tuning in. You've been in the chat basically since the start of the season, since the start of the season. So, yeah, see your name in there. I appreciate you tuning in when we have shows. It's been a a bit rocky the past week and a half, but, you know, we're hoping to get a little bit more consistent going forward. Thank you for tuning in.
1: Yeah. Um, hopefully 2024 will start off a lot better than 2023's finishing finishing uh, for us. But yes, thank you very much for the super chat. I like to think uh, good karma comes, comes around. So, uh, you know, we appreciate the $20 super chat. Hopefully, hopefully you can make a hundred X that tonight in DFS. Let's see if we can help you out a little bit. Yeah. That would, that would,
0: that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Montreal Canadiens with a 2.6 total heading into Florida. The Panthers have a three point eight total. Did Montreal play last night? No, right? No, no, no. Florida played last night. They beat the Rangers. John Quick was in net. That. that game was wild. Like the Rangers didn't play awful. Bobrovsky just played great. Like those games happen. You run into a hot goaltender. Even like the score doesn't really say how that game went. Uh, Bobrovsky had a great game. So stick to the Bob. But uh, here's one of the really, really chalky lines of the night, and there's the Florida second line, Kachuk for Hagee Bennett. No shocker there, 17,200. Like, great matchup, great power play matchup. You want to play him? Go for it. Now, I will say, as I just got to mention, I got a a notification saying the Braves just traded for Chris Sale. It's kind of a weird trade, but anyway – um, I'm interested more in the Barkov Reinhardt Evan Rodriguez line at nineteen thousand one hundred. They're a little bit more expensive, but they're coming in at a third of the ownership. And if we're being honest with ourselves, they're one of the best lines in the NHL, just hands down. Like they're disgusting how good they are. They had a good game yesterday. There's no matchup on Montreal that scares me. For ownership purposes, I think Florida one is my. Preferred play. If you want to go to Florida two, that's fine. But like nineteen thousand one hundred really isn't that expensive for one of the best lines in the league. It's a great matchup. I think you can power play stack Florida two, uh, um, Florida comma two. Um, but um, I'm in on Florida one on the Montreal side. I, I do have a little bit of interest in that Coffee Suzuki Slavkovsky line. Um, they're coming in with a little bit of negative leverage, which you don't really like to see. But they're only fifteen thousand one hundred. So I don't mind them as a filler in your MME portfolio. If you want to keep riding that Josh Anderson wave, you can one off them or two man him with, with Monahan, but Florida one for me.
1: Yeah, I I'm kind of struggling with this because I do think like matchup wise, four to two is in a better spot. Like no, I, I like I agree with you, like matching up against the Suzuki line or whatever, it's not that concerning. Like they do have good defensive numbers, 2.1 expected goals against that's for Montreal one. Um, but it's still not a matchup where I'm like, Oh, I gotta avoid this line, especially when you have a line as good as a Barkov line, like you were talking about. Like, I think Barkov's a hard trophy candidate, but oh yeah, um, that's another story for another day. So I do think that Florida 2 is in a much better matchup. And that's why I wrote up – well, that plus Carter Verhage being on the top power play unit the last few games. Like, it gives Verhage a a ton of – a ton of value. What worries me about Florida 2 is twofold. One, Sam Bennett's off the power play now. So, obviously, that hurts his value. Two, like, I don't know if – like, Matthew Kachuk has kind of stopped shooting the puck a little bit. And it's nothing, like, too extreme. But the last four weeks, and we're talking about a 12-game sample now, he's down to about 16 shot attempts per 60 minutes. He was over 20 to start the year. So not only is he not really scoring a lot because his shooting percentage has been down all season, he's shooting the puck less as well. And deferring to Bennett, deferring to Verhage, that like that makes me kind of worried for full stacking that line. Because if one of the things that gives Kachuk value is that he doesn't necessarily need like two goals and an assist. You know, up until the season, he didn't necessarily need two goals and an assist to have you know, month you know, huge value in a tournament. Like there are games he'd put up like two assists with like eight shots or something like that, and that would that would get him the value. But if he's not scoring and he's not shooting like we normally would expect him to, that concerns me. Now I assume that he turns that around, but like we're like I said, we're looking at a four week sample here, so I think. If I were to Stack Florida, I agree with you on the power play stack. I think that's kind of the way that I would go. I'd go like Verhage, Barkov, Reinhardt, Verhage, Barkov, Kachuk, like something like that. Like I would probably have make sure I have Barkov and Verhage, um, and then add one of Reinhardt or Kachuk, depending on how the rest of your bill goes. Because Montreal, like one thing we mentioned in our Discord, is that <laughs> since Arbor Jacky went to the got hurt and then went to the AHL about six weeks ago. They've been taking fewer penalties. Like this was a team that was like second, third in the league in time shorthanded per game. Uh, they're all the way down to eighth now. So like, they're clearly taking fewer penalties. They're just not killing them. <laughs> like they're just not a good penalty killing team. That's kind of the problem. Like in their last 11 games, they've given up nine power play goals against, because even though they're taking fewer penalties, they can't kill off the ones that they do take. So I agree with you on Florida, some sort of power play stack. It's a way to get, you know, Florida two skaters in there and then dilute the ownership a little, a little bit. So I think that's the direction I would go on the Montreal side, I think is where things are a little bit more interesting because like the Montreal top line by their expected goals numbers is their best line. They're not scoring, which is a little bit of an issue. They're shooting under 6% as a line and they're going right into that Barkov matchup, which is absolutely brutal. And Montreal's power play has actually been, pretty good with Uri Slavkovsky there. I was looking at their numbers, something like nine, nine and a half goals per 60 minutes of five on five. Like that's actually a good power play, but Florida has a great penalty kill and they're not nearly taking, taking nearly as many penalties as there were last year. So I'm not super high on the Montreal top line here. I think I would dip down to Montreal two, And I don't know if I would full stack, but certainly like Monaghan, Anderson, Anderson Evans, like something like that. Anderson, I can't believe I'm saying this Anderson would be the guy that I would focus around on, on my two man's on that second line. Like he has 30 shots in his last 10 games with six goals in there. And you know, the second and third lines from Florida are, you know, much weaker defensively. So if you want to go all the way down to Montreal three, like I have no problem there. Like, the top stacks tool has Montreal two and Montreal three, basically even by top two percentage and Montreal three coming in with less ownership and they're cheaper. So if you want to do that, I think that's fine. But you know, I think the only thing I really have interest in from the Montreal side, like I said, is like maybe like a Monahan Anderson two man or something like that. And then just moving along.
0: Yeah. The point about Kachuk is a good one. And also like, not only is he shooting less, it's where he's shooting from too. Normally, you see him just, like, if this was basketball, he'd be in the paint. You know what I mean? Like, he's, like, always in the crease. He's been taking a lot more shots from the from the slot area, which is a, weird for him.
1: Here's, here's something to back that up. At five on five in those 12 games that I just talked about, the only – Florida forward with the worst individual expected goals mark. And individual expected goals is a pretty good proxy for proximity to the net. Like, that's how that kind of works. Because the closer you are, the more likely you are to score. The only Florida forward, the lower expected goals per 60 is Kevin Stenland. Like like Ryan Lombard, you know, Nick Cousins, Luceran, and all those guys are getting better quality shots off than Kachuk is. That At five on five, that's a concern.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird. And I don't
1: know why, but... And you know, you just know that we slandered him for the last six minutes. So yeah, tonight's hat trick night, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, Clayton, highlight that. Just remind us later because I won't remember. <laughs> um, St. Louis Blues with a two point seven total heading into Pittsburgh. The Penguins have a three point seven total. Blues played last night. They played. Uh, they played Colorado pretty well. They lost two to one. Um, it was Bennington and net, so it's going to be Joel. Hall of Famer in that for the blues. Here's another chalk of the night. Pittsburgh top line coming in at 24% projected ownership. It has positive leverage. They're only 19 2 because Ricard Raquel, very, very, very cheap. Now it was the was it the other night that Pittsburgh won seven-nothing and Sydney Crosby had a straight up 0-0-0. Yeah. Yeah. Like that kind of happens. You know, I mean, I played Nashville won last night. Forsberg had two goals and assists. Um, Nyquist had two goals and assists, and Ryan O'Reilly had three shots on goal. it's like, it happens. This is a very good matchup. I'm actually a bit higher on Hofer than Bennington, but you know Pittsburgh is fresh. Blues traveled from Colorado to Pittsburgh. Cliffy's our time zone tout. That's a couple of time zones to fly across and it's always work. like, okay, if you, you're on the East coast, right? Like if you vacation on the West coast, flying out West, not too bad. Flying back East, pretty miserable. So like, I don't know, like, I I don't want to, I don't know how you equate that into a a game. These, these are professionals. They're making way more money than I am sitting in this chair bashing them. Long story short, I really, really like Pittsburgh 1 here. Now, everyone's going to be like, oh, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, power play. It's coming to life. This isn't a very good power play matchup anyway. Blues don't take a lot of penalties at all, which it's like one of the things they do well is not take penalties. So I think just full stacking Pittsburgh 1 makes some sense if you, you know, really like them. And I think they're in a very good spot. The ownership is high but you can get different. Pittsburgh 2, I really like Pittsburgh 2 because you're going to see the Crosby line go out against Thomas Kairou You're going to see the Malkin line go out against Shen, Neighbors, and Kapanen, and that line is bad, man. They're 12,800 to full stack as well. The problem is they're coming in very negatively leveraged, but we were talking about it before the show. If Pacioretty does play tonight, I think that ownership gets diluted a little bit. Uh, and we'll talk about Pacioretty a little bit later, but Malkin, Smith, Drew O'Connor against Shen, neighbors, Kapanen is heavily tilted to the Malkin side. So I do really like Pit One. I really, really like Pit Two here. And on the flip side, getting a little bit of positive leverage on the Blues' top line, I think you know is fine. The the Crosby line not a massive sample with Raquel, but when Raquel wasn't there at best, they were trading chances. They're they're just playing high event hockey. So I I don't mind getting to to some St. Louis one in your MME portfolio.
1: Yeah. I I mean, it's still a small sample with Raquel there. Um, It's less than 60 minutes. The defense has been better with Raquel. And I will say just in general, this season, as much as Raquel struggled offensively before he got hurt, um, he was playing pretty well defensively. Like that was one of the reasons. Like Pittsburgh's second line was sometimes used in a shutdown matchup is because him and Riley Smith were really helping out, uh, make that a, a you know a good defensive line. So I, like I think it's a worse matchup for Pittsburgh one than if Brian Rust was there or Drew O'Connor was there or even if Riley Smith was there. Frankly. um, so that's what kind of worries me for St. Louis here is like, I don't think it's as good of a matchup as it would be. Otherwise not that you're stacking St. Louis for the power play either their power play is generating a lot under their new coach, but the Pittsburgh penalty kill has generally been really good this year. And it has been amongst the best in the league in the month of December. So, um, you know, a worst five on five spot, pretty bad power play spot for St. Louis. Like, if they were coming in at like one two percent and there's huge positive leverage on them like i would probably play them but there's just not seven percent top two stacks 6.6 percent ownership like you know it's perfectly fine i just i don't see enough of a reason to go in that direction ownership wise like i said i if they were a lot lower that's probably the direction i would i'd be leaning towards so I don't know. I just, I don't really have a lot of interest in St. Louis here tonight. Like they they're tied for what the second lowest uh, total in this game. I think the only team that's flat out um, lower than them is Montreal. So not really expecting a lot of goals here. Like I agree with you. If I were to play anything, it would be St. Louis one um, Pittsburgh two. pretty good defensively uh, with drew Connor there um pittsburgh threes but generally been good defensively so far this season so uh it would be st louis one but it's a pittsburgh side i do like again but uh it's just gonna be super chalky right Uh, you brought up all those ownership percentages 24 on the top line 12 on the second line i wrote up the second line in the picks article for this reason it is i think there's this still the most negatively leveraged line on the slate But what I pointed out in the article is their top two stack probability of all the lines on DraftKings tonight that are 14,500. And we don't know what the Washington lines are going to be yet. We'll get to that in a second. So that could throw things, you know, kind of out of whack. But of all the lines that we have projected, they're over two times higher than the next closest line amongst all the fillers for top two stack probability. Hey, man, it wouldn't be these last couple of weeks if something else like this didn't happen. So everybody say hi to Grimace Josh. (laughs) um so what i brought up is like they have negative leverage a lot of filler lines generally do have negative leverage um but they are also much more likely to be a top two stack i think you can like just two man smith and and malkin if you want like drew o'connor he's typically a low shooting percentage guy he'll you know he'll score a goal every once in a while but he whether nhl or hl he has bad uh, shot conversion rates so um you know, if you just want two man Malkin and Smith, I think that's fine. But uh I do like Pit two. I I like Pit one, but at twenty four percent, like that's a lot. Like I I get that it's a it's a good matchup for them. They're not super expensive. Like they're not in that Edmonton New Jersey tier. But like we just talked about Florida and Flo- Florida one. Florida 1 is at home to Montreal, which I don't think is that much of a better matchup than St. Louis. And they're coming in with a third of the ownership projection. So, like, there are just other lines in that price range at much lower ownership that I think I would rather play. So, no issue playing either of the top two Pittsburgh lines at all. I think the way I'm going to be building my single entry tonight, I would lean more towards Pitt 2. They're both in pretty good spots. Again, it's kind of like New Jersey. I just think that there are other... You know, with New Jersey, they are similarly owned ownership-wise. This one, there are other spots coming in with much lower ownership at the same at a similar price that I think I'd rather play. That's my only argument.
0: Yeah, very chalky game. Um, I don't know why this 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 comparison is popping in my head, but like Drew O'Connor reminds me of like a Walmart Blake Coleman. If you're looking for player comparisons, I don't know. It's just what's in my head. And I, it's coming out. All right. You can sign up using the link. I'll, I'll put it in the chat, but I think it's in the description below to get access to the best NHL data and tools in the industry. This is what you get. This is what I'm talking about. You get player and ownership projections. You get the top stacks tools and you get the line combinations. And you get access to Discord. Cliffy and I are... Always in there, except for yesterday was a bit of a mess with both of us being sick. Jake is always around. Uh We have a bunch of Sharp members in there when we're not there to answer some questions and stuff. But yeah, Cliffy's going to run through the tools. I will drop the uh, the link in the chat. It's also in the description below. Uh You can get weekly. You can get monthly. You can add Fantasy Cruncher. You don't have to add Fantasy Cruncher. Thank you, Fantasy Cruncher. But yeah, this, that's... Everything you get. And I think, you know, the the Discord is invaluable. I, I don't know how else to explain it uh, other than you learn. Like, I even learn stuff. Like, there's people who ha- – you just have different eyeballs on different things, and it is just good for everybody. So I will drop that link in there right now. Bada bing. Bada boom. Let's move on. That might be the most New Jersey thing I've done on the show. New York Rangers with a 2.9 total heading into Tampa Bay. The Lightning have a 3.1 total. Rangers played last night with Juanito Kluik. It is going to be Igor Shesterkin in net for the Rangers tonight. Not a lot of ownership in this game. The highest owned line is coming in at 5.9% projected, and that is the Stamkos-Hagel-Sorelli line. Tampa top line, Kucherov point, Paul, coming in under 3% projected. And listen, I'm not a proponent. I'm not going to sit here, and maybe it's a bad bias because I'm a Rangers fan. I am a proponent of going, you know what? I'm not going to stack against Igor. Back-to-back on the road, and I don't know, like Rangers struggle on the penalty kill. They don't take a ton of penalties, but, you know, Kucherov, You give this team three, four power plays, they're going to burn you. I Listen, Would if someone asked me, and someone probably would ask me if I didn't say this right now, would you rather play the Devil's top line tonight or Tampa top line? It's the Tampa top line. They have similar top two stock percentages. Tampa Bay is a little bit cheaper. They have a higher total. They're at home. They're fresh. The Rangers are back-to-back. I like Tampa one here. I'm not saying run out and play them in single entry. I don't. I haven't built yet. I don't know what I'm gonna do. But of the expensive lines over twenty thousand, I think Tampa Bay. I, I like Tampa one here. Now, what to do on the Rangers side? It's one of the rare times you see Rangers with under a three total. I think the second line still good here, especially at the three point nine percent projected ownership. I think that's fine. You want to go to Zibanejad, Kreider, Wheeler. Like, whatever you want to say about Wheeler, you can say about Wheeler, but he makes that line better. The numbers don't lie. So I, I don't mind getting to some Rangers here at low ownership. I'm kind of interested on your take on the Stamkos-Hagel-Sorelli line because the Ranger, like, the Rangers have been pretty bad defensively, five on five. And they're probably going to avoid the Zibanejad line. The Trocek, Lafreniere, Panarin line, very good offensively, but they trade chances. So I, I really don't mind Stamkos, Hagel, Sorelli either. So, like, I, I think I'm more in on the Tampa side here, which is rare, and I'm trying to uh, break the Homer narrative that I never sack against my Rangers. I like Tampa.
1: Yeah, I I, I will talk about Tampa because I did mention Nikita Kucherov um, in the picks article today. <laughs> What Kucherov is doing is absolutely absurd. Like the point that I brought up is like his production has slowed down in December compared to November and that production is still 9 goals, 19 points and 51 shots in 12 games. Like it's awesome. what he's doing is just absolutely crazy. What the I do I also do like Tampa one here tonight for two re, well one it is a back-to-back as you said. The other the Rangers penalty kill has been Not good, let's say, uh, over the last, you know, four or five weeks. um, Bottom 10 in the league. So I do like Tampa one, like they're they're all perfectly correlated. Like you said, this is one of the lines I think I'd rather, I prefer to play over New Jersey. Um, Again, cheaper, uh, lower ownership, or similar ownership, sorry, um, at home, bigger total, everything you said completely right. I'm not in so much on Tampa 2. Like uh, you and know, I talk about how Sorelli and Stamkos just haven't been good and they really, really haven't. It's whether it doesn't matter who's been on the other side of them, whether it's been Hagel, um, whether it's been Nick Paul, um, whether it's been, I think know, spent a couple of games there. Like, it just hasn't hasn't mattered. Um 90 minutes together for Tampa 2, 2.3 expected goals for 3.4 against. 2.1 2.1 actual goals for 5.5 goals against for 60 minutes. Like, that's a number that's going to come down, but their defensive numbers just by expected and shots against metrics are terrible. I don't I like, I know why they're using them as a shutdown line. I don't know how much longer they can keep going with this. And that's what's kind of bringing the Rangers top line into play for me here. Like, you brought up Blake Wheeler and like, He does make the line worse defensively, the Rangers' top line. Like, there's no doubt about that. So that's why, like, I think Tampa 2 can be played for that reason. But I'm kind of going in the other direction with the Rangers' top line. You know, with Blake Wheeler there, you're looking at, like, 15% more shots and expected goals. You know, actual goals have more than doubled uh, since Blake Wheeler got to the top line. Um, You still get two out of three guys on top power play unit. Uh, last 12 games for Tampa Bay bottom 10 penalty kill in the league and we and it doesn't matter like back to back or not the Rangers power play can shred any team and if Tampa is not on their game on the pk that top line can get there basically through the power play alone because they're not super expensive um 15,800 on DraftKings positive leverage like you can like if you're playing like you know New Jersey or Edmonton or something like that, you won't be able to fit in Rangers. But if you're playing another mid-price line, I think there's merit to playing Rangers one here because I am not worried about that Sorelli-Stamkos matchup whatsoever. Um, again, the Tampa Bay penalty killed not being good. I think that Rangers top, like, if you want to go to Rangers two, like, they are the better line, no question about that. And it's not really a tough matchup against the Tampa top line either. I just think if you're looking for, like, a mid priced line, You know, under that 17K or 16K mark or or whatever. I think the Rangers top line is is certainly up there because it's a good matchup at five on five. It's a good matchup on the penalty kill. It's like, yes, the Rangers are on a back to back, but like, it's not like St. Louis. It's not like they travel time zones, like they're in the same state. You know what I mean? So uh, I kind of like Rangers one here, but Tampa one is by far my favorite line in this game.
0: Yeah. I mean, You said Barkov is a hard candidate. Kucherov is definitely a hard candidate. So, like, yeah. Um, Wheeler's hand still there. Skating, not so much. That's why he's (laughs) a bit wonky defensively. So, uh, yeah. Carolina Hurricanes with a 3.3 total. Heading into Toronto, the fighting Marty Joneses have a 3.2 total. Samsonite went last night, so it's probably going to be Marty Jones. Like... I'm, I wasn't prepared. I was, I'm, not, I'm not prepared for more. You know, I promised a mariachi band, but when I'm feeling better, we will do it. Um, yeah. Two things are true about the Leafs. They score some goals. They give up more. <laughs> they, they just – they're just not good defensively. And the way to win for Toronto is to outscore teams. They couldn't even do that against the Blue Jackets last night. I like Carolina one here. Ajo, Svechnikov, Tara Vinen. 17,200 coming in with positive leverage, 3.3% projected ownership. Like, okay, like there's obviously concerns about Carolina, their power play allocation, their defenseman taking shots, yada, yada, yada. I just, with, with Jarvis being on the stall line, and bunting being on the cockney emmy line like i feel confident in saying that aho svechnikov tara Vinen are going to play the most and svechnikov is starting to turn it around here he had a brutal start to his season coming off the acl uh surgery couldn't hit the net that was his big problem once he started hitting the net the goals started coming i like carolina one here now toronto's um, back-to-back here. They're at home, though. They didn't have to travel. Or were they in Columbus last night? It's, either way, it's it's a short it's a short trip. Um, Carolina goaltending, not great. Like, Kochekov's been better than anything else they've started. But, like, Matthews has been on a heater. Nylander, or Nylander has looked good. That second line has looked good. And they're getting their ownership. Both these lines have... Very good positive leverage. I don't mind get like, would I play them in one to three? I would definitely consider it. I probably wouldn't end up there in my personal build, but I think there's merit there. The more lineups you make, the easier it is to get to Toronto here. Yeah,
1: I wrote up Toronto one in my oh, – in my picks article today. Uh, again, free to read over at stochastic.com. Most days, as long as I have power or I'm not shivering in bed, um, what I mentioned about Toronto is like they had Matthews Marner together to start the year. Tyler Bertuzzi was there for most of it. Matthew Knies for some of it. And they just weren't good. And like, there was a reason why William Nylander was moved up to the top line for like a month or whatever it was, but they've looked a lot better since being reunited. Um, Their last 60 minutes together, four expected goals per 60 minutes uh, generated 4.1 actual goals scored per 60 at five on five. Um, those are numbers that you would expect from a Matthews-Marner line. That's what we've seen in years gone by. Um, you know, again, still a small sample. It's only a handful of games, but they do look like um, they're turning things around a bit. And what I mentioned in the article is like Aho and Kopp, very, very good at f- offensively at five on five. Um, that's why I have Sebastian Aho in the article. Well, that and Toronto's top line, not that great defensively. But they also give it up defensively as well. Carolina does. That top line, um 60 shot attempts against per 60 minutes. That's below league average. 2.6 expected goals against per 60 minutes. Also below league average. Um, You know, the Carolina penalty kill is, like, really great. And Kochetkov has been better. I think I saw, what was it, 14 goals in his last seven starts. Like, that's kind of what you would expect from Carolina goaltending. But this Matthews line is good enough to score on anybody in any kind of matchup and they're not coming in with any ownership. Um, That's one of the big reasons why um, I wrote them up in the article. And I do mean very little ownership, one and a half percent on Toronto one 3.7% on Toronto two. Um, I think either of the top lines are fine to play. Uh, There is a bit of a price difference, 1800. So it might depend on your build. I always lean play the line with the best player and, Right now, that's Austin Matthews. You know, start of the season, it was probably William Nylander. Right now, it's certainly Austin Matthews. So I like Matthews, Marner, and Knees here. Or Nice. I keep saying Knees. I got too used to that. Uh, Matthews, Marner, and Nice here going out against the AHO line. But I also like the Ajo line in return for kind of the same reason. Like the Matthews line, for as better as they've been defensively or offensively, they still are not good defensively. Um, So I do like Carolina 1 here. Carolina two, like we should probably mention, like Carolina two isn't really the second line anymore. Um, that nature's Kakhniemi bunting line. I was looking. I think it's over like the last eight games. Kakhniemi's last amongst their forwards a nice time per game. Like you can't be last amongst forwards and be called the second line. Like I'm sorry, that's just not the way it works. So uh, Jarvis uh, Stahl and Martinook is probably the, um, probably the second line now. I actually don't mind them if they're going to get some bottom six matchups uh, against Toronto. Like I'm not super worried about Toronto's bottom six um, defensively. You know, Jarvis is still on the top power play unit. Stahl and Martinook, you know, Stahl can play like 16 minutes a game. Martinook like 14, 15 minutes a game. So if you just want two men like Stahl and and, and uh, Jarvis or Jarvis and, and Martinook or something like that, I think that's perfectly fine. But it's both top lines I like in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Um...
0: Jarvis on that third line stall line is interesting because Martinuk was their best player in the playoffs last year somehow. And I don't know. I just kind of like that combination. So, yeah, and the Leafs' bottom six is putrid. So don't mind that. Nashville Predators with a three total heading into Washington. The Capitals also have a three total. Both these teams played last night. Washington was in Long Island. They got killed five to one. Nashville lost in overtime to the Wings. Washington is interesting here because Pacioretty could be back tonight. He was practicing. They'd, I don't think they just – they didn't want him to play on the back – like the front – both ends of the back-to-back. Now, the way the Washington started their lines and finished their lines yesterday, I don't know how much it matters because in practice, if Pacioretty does play, they're practicing – Wilson, Strom, Ovechkin, McMichael, Mantha, Protoss, and then uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Phillips, Pacioretty. So if Pacioretty's in, I would make the assumption that those are the lines. If he's not in, the way they started them yesterday was Ovechkin, Wilson, McMichael, Strom, Mantha, Protoss. And then by the end of the game, Nicholas Abe-Kubel was playing with Ovechkin. So if Pacioretty's out, no idea what the lines are going to be. Pacioretty's in. The practice lines are a fair assumption. Saros went last night. Kevin Lankinen is sick. He might go. If he doesn't go, it's going to be Yaroslav Askarov for the Predators. He's not just some guy. He's probably the top goalie prospect in the NHL, along with Dustin Wolf. So, I mean, his AHL numbers won't blow you away, but he's a highly regarded prospect. Um, In this game, it's, it's hard to say with the top stacks for Washington because the lines are what they started with yesterday. I don't – like if they go back to Strome, Wilson, Ovechkin, I don't mind that line as long as the ownership is in check. It's a good power play spot. I just I, – I, I'd rather just play the Nashville line, Forsberg or Riley Nyquist. Now, I know they haven't been great recently. They were good yesterday. But before that, their expected goals numbers weren't great. But, you know, nothing the wings can't cure. And maybe they keep that going tonight. So I'm in on Forsberg or Riley Nyquist. And I, I need to see if Patrick Reddy's in or not. Because if he's in and he's with Kuznetsov and Phillips, that line is super cheap. McMichael will be back with Mantha. That line is super cheap. You know what I mean? So that could depress some other mid-range lines ownership. So it's kind of a big question mark right now.
1: Yeah, I – it's just hard to say what you want to play on Washington because, like, the third period last night, um, Oveshkin got moved to a line with Evgeny Kuznetsov and Nicholas Obeku-Bell. You know what I mean? Like, they just completely blew everything up. I think the only pair of forwards that stayed together in their top nine was Mantha and Protas – uh, as strom was moved i guess to the top line last night I don't even know how you would have you know assigned numbers to those lines in that third period yeah. um it, it basically comes down to this like well two things for me one, basically whatever line Dylan strom is on is the line that I am interested in like I, I'm at the point now where i don't want to say for sure he's their best offensive player, but it's it's tough to say that he's not like he, He can score goals. He's a really good playmaker. He's good in transition. Like, he's been a very good player for Washington since we got there. It's just he's having to do the heavy lifting for guys like Ovechkin or Kuznetsov on the power play, TJ Oshie when they're on the second and third lines together. Like, he's the guy that has to carry lines. That's why, like, I didn't mind seeing him with Protas and Mantha because at least Mantha is a guy that can kind of help him drive the play a little bit. But if Pacioretty's in the lineup, like, that could change everything. And we just won't know until warm up start. Now, thankfully, there's one late game tonight that starts at 10 Eastern, and the other six games all start at 7 Eastern at the same time. So we'll know before lock. There won't be any other games that will have started by then. So if you're around, you will have time uh, to make some swaps. Uh, But, you know, if it's like Pacioretty, Strom, and Manta, like, that's a line I would have a lot of interest in uh as a filler line to go with like Tampa Bay or Edmonton or, or Toronto or what, or whatever. So it's just tough to say exactly what to play. Cause they did blow everything up and they might be introducing patch who by the way is, you know, 2,500 on DK, like he's stone min price. Like that's another problem. Like if he's on a line with Manta, they could technically be like on the second line, top power play, and you could stack them for less than six grand between them. Like that's kind of the issue. In a nutshell, I will say whatever line Dylan Strom is on is the line that I have interest in. I, I just don't know what we can say until warm up start um, because there's no other center that's been able to do what Strom has done. Like Nicholas Backstrom has done um, Evgeny Kuznetsov. He's been on the fourth line for very good reason, I think. Um, you know, Nick Dowd is a defensive guy. Like there's, they have literally no other player that can do what Dylan Strom does. So, I, you have to pay attention to warmups. see where he's slotted, see if Pacioretty's in, and then just kind of go from there. If Strom's on the top line with Ovechkin and Wilson, like, yeah, I think they're playable. But at that point, I, I'd probably just say, like, I'm not playing Washington. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, l- let's put it this way as well. Washington has the lowest home total here tonight. Of the seven home teams tonight, Washington has the lowest total I'm not holding my breath to run out and play a bunch of caps here. Uh, I'll just have to see what warmups look like. On the Nashville side, uh, it's the top line. Like, they keep screwing around with their depth. None of their depth is really doing a whole lot. Like, even, you know, training in Sizens as a two-man so far this year, one and a half expected goals for 60 minutes at 5-on-5. Five five. Parson and training as a two-man, basically the same. Like, this is not a good line. Um, Novak and Cody glass are probably the fourth line now. So like, do you want to play them for like 10 or 11 minutes of ice time? Like if you want to Darcy Kemper has to start again, unless they go to an AHL goal, AHL goalie. So, um, like I get it, but I think I'd rather just go back to Nashville one. Like they've started to pick up their offense again, after a little bit of a lull, 3.1 expected goals per 60 minutes of five on five over the last three weeks. What I will say is that to a lesser degree, because they're a lot cheaper, there are ice time issues like there are for New Jersey. Like Philip Forsberg's down to 1727 a game over his last 10 games. That's almost two minutes less than the first two months of the season. So um, there are some ice time issues. It is a back-to-back Washington typically does have a pretty good penalty kill. Um, that's one thing that's kind of saved them is that they've been one of the five best penalty kills in the NHL basically all season. So, I think it's it's Nashville one or nothing for me from Nashville, and then wait to see if Patch Reddy is in the lineup and in, who Dylan Strom is playing with. Got to say, um, of all the games here tonight, um, probably the one that I had the least interest in for stacking.
0: Yeah. Uh, I wonder if our resident uh, Caps fan, KJ, is in the chat, because if you live on Narrative Street, the Caps are the team who drafted Phil Forsberg and traded him for Martine Aram. One of the more lopsided trades in NHL history. So uh, if you live on narrative street, that's, you know, I'm sure Phil Forsberg always has this game circled. Edmonton Oilers with a 3.2 total heading into Los Angeles. The Kings have a 3.4 total. This is an interesting game. One, both of these teams are rested. That's, That's the only game we can say on this slate where both the teams are rested. Two, the Kings are a wagon. Like, they're an absolute wagon. But they don't have goalies. Like, Talbot, he had a good stretch earlier. And Dave Riddich has a 951 save percentage. You know who he started against? The the Sharks. Twice. (sighs) McDavid, Hyman, Nugent, Hopkins are creating, like, 466 expected goals per 60 on the top line. They're coming in at 4.2% projected ownership. Highest positive leverage on the slate. They're going to see a fair bit of that Kopitar Kempe Byfield line, which is an absolute wagon. We recommended on this show last year, Connor McDavid going into Boston. He's matchup proof. That that is a Berger online. That is breaking the number one cardinal rule of DFS. If we were willing to do that, how do you not even consider this line here at four percent with? goalie as a question mark i i do really like Carmic david hyman Nujah hopkins now am i going to run out and play them in one to three i will definitely consider it at that ownership if they were chalk tonight i would say you know what talbot eat your wheaties take your vitamin c please save 41 to 44 but like twenty two thousand five hundred, when we've seen colorado one get close to twenty six thousand, feels cheap you know what i mean so, like, I, I do really like Edmonton 1 here. On the L.A. side, they are pretty cheap. I know Stewie Skinner coming off a shutout, but, like, I, I do like the Edmonton coach putting uh, Ryan McLeod with Warren Fogel and Saddle. that's at least a competent defensive line. Like, they kind of are trying to play a little bit of defense here. So I, I think it would be LA one for me at 1.3% projected LA three, super cheap, but they're coming in very negatively leveraged Dubois, Cali of uh, Laferriere. So I think it would be LA one for me and it would be, it would just be both top lines in this game.
1: <clears throat> yeah. um, I was looking to see what the slowdown has been for the Edmonton top line. And it's looking at, like, their first half under the new coach in the second half. In the second half, they're at still 4.6 expected goals, 4.9 actual goals at five on five. Like, this is, these guys are just absolutely insane. Like, we say this is a bad matchup for Edmonton, and it is. But this is what I'll say, is these two teams played in the first round of the playoffs last year. And this is basically the same Los Angeles lineup that, was, that played last year at, you know, at Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, take out Gabriel Valerde and, and Alex Ayafalo or whatever. It's basically the same forward and defense group. And Edmonton scored 12 goals in three games in Los Angeles. And Los Angeles was one of the best teams in the league after the trade deadline, after they got Gavrikov, after they got Corpasalo and all that. They were one of the best teams, at least a five on five in the league. And uh, Edmonton went into Los Angeles, hung two five spots on them in the, in the playoffs. So like, yeah, it's not a bad matchup. Con this, this Edmonton line is matchup proof. They can blow up absolutely anybody. And that's why I, I hate saying Edmonton one is my favorite line on the slate. It's like, Oh wow. The Connor McDavid line. That is also the most expensive line is your favorite line. Like, you know, great analysis, Cliffy, but like, um, there's not a lot, like you said, there's like very low ownership coming in on them. Um, I am wondering like, you know, it's a Saturday Tomorrow is new year's Eve. It's the only late game. The other six games start at seven Eastern. Like maybe people are worried about late swapping or missing news and, and like, just don't want to play. Like maybe there are some people that just don't want to play them late. Like there's not much ownership 4.2% on that top line. Again, I'd, I would rather play Edmonton going into Los Angeles and New Jersey going into Boston. Um, I'll say that much. And like, if you want to leave off, one of the wingers just make it an expensive two man and then use a mid priced line, you know, somewhere else as a secondary stack. I think he can do that, but yeah, it's not a good matchup for Edmonton. I think they've shown that they can blow up just about any, any line, any goalie in any matchup at any time. So I, I'm with you. I do like Edmonton one. I think on the Kings side though, I would probably go to Kings two. Um, like the, the Edmonton second line is better defensive, like much, much better defensively without Evander Kane there, but they're still only about league average by expected goals against. And this King's second line has been like you want to talk about wagons. I was looking over the last three weeks, four expected goals and 80-87 shot attempts per 60 minutes at five on five for this King's second line. Um they're scoring 3.2 goals per 60 minutes, which Off the top of my head is about 25% better than league average. And they're shooting under 7%. Like if they ever shoot like 10%, they're going to be one of the best five on five scoring lines in the league. Um, They're getting more ice time too. That's the other thing here is like, they're not getting like the 15, 16 minutes that they had been at times this season. They're up somewhere between the 17 and 19 minute mark, like all three guys. Trevor Moore, 18 shots in his last five games. He's been scoring goals. Kevin Fiala is still on the top power play unit. Not worried about the Edmonton goaltending, that's for sure. Uh, so I think I prefer Kings 2 on that side. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I really I, – I just because there's such low ownership on Edmonton's top line, I do like them here tonight.
0: Yeah, I mean, if Pittsburgh won and Edmonton won ownership or flip-flop, then it's a different story. But 4% projected for Connor McDavid line, like – they could be going up against brick wall.
1: And, and on a seven game or two, like this isn't a 12 or a 13 game slate. Like it's only seven games. Yeah. So, wow.
0: That is the seven game slate. My voice is starting to go, but that's okay. Let's get to some defensemen here before we do that. Coming up after us, <clears throat> 6 p.m. NBA Live Before Lock with Emac and Neil. If you are playing NBA, 6 p.m. Live Before Lock. Let's talk a little bit about defensemen here. Top of the board, Roman Yossi, almost under 7,000, 7K flat. Pretty good price for him. Um, Stellar's in net for Florida. Matheson at 6,200. Like, it's so weird because, like, I just remember a few years ago, it's like, yeah, I really like Matheson, 3,400 for the Penguins. Now he's running the, the Montreal power play that's looked better. I I don't mind Matheson here. Um, Bouchard, probably going to be pretty low-owned. Who who else do you like him?
1: Yeah, Matheson was the guy at the top. I I do want to mention Morgan Riley. Like, one of the things that typically hurt Riley in previous seasons was, like, he wasn't a big shot blocker, but he's over two blocks per game this season. And on DraftKings in particular, that's something that means a lot. Like, going from, like, 1.25 to, like, 2.1 blocks per game is a huge jump and you know might be a matchup where he has to block a bunch and like Carolina's goaltending again not great so like Riley's not at the top for me I have um, Matheson and then McAvoy but um, don't mind Riley if you're if you're playing a ton of lineups in the mid price range I think there are three guys that stand out above the rest Brandon Montour, Brent Burns, Victor Hedman I also suspect that at the very least, Montour is probably going to be chalky. I think Burns will be as well. Um, maybe even Headman. Also, I want—I do want to mention Colton Pareko. Um, He's starting to climb up a bit in price, but Justin Falks out for St. Louis, and this is a team that typically leans on their top four defensemen, somewhat similarly like like the New York Islanders do. And when one guy goes out, it's not like you know they suddenly give the third pair an extra six minutes a game. It's I think the top guys are just going to play a lot more. So I don't mind Pareco. Um, in that mid price range for St. Louis. For cheaper guys, um, you know, Ekblad certainly, but he'll also be chalky. Mason Lowry um, for Boston, you know, Luke Hughes still running the top power play unit. He's not great for peripherals, but uh, Boston does take a ton of penalties. And if that penalty kill ever has like one bad night off, you know, Hughes at his price, I think, if you're playing a bunch of lineups, is worth, it, it's worth the, the pain. But um, it's the sub 3K guys that I think I like more for the cheap defensemen. I uh, wrote up Jordan Spence. Even with Gavrikov back, he's still getting like 16, 17 minutes a game. That's not huge, but he's also only 2,700. Um, Jordan Harris back from Montreal. He's only 2,700. And with Mikhail Sergachev out, uh, it's actually been Hayden Flurry getting more ice time um, than Darren Radish. So uh, don't mind Hayden Flurry uh, for Tampa Bay if you know as one of those sub 3K guys. If you need a pun, yeah, I echo that.
0: Let's talk about some goalies here. Top of the board, Florida hasn't confirmed a goalie, but Bob went last night, so it's probably going to be Stolaris. He's (sighs) 8,400. It's like, okay, like the one thing we can talk crap about, DraftKings, pretty much every day, but the one thing about their NHL product that has always been steady is they go off Vegas odds for goalie pricing. So, you know, if the team's a massive favorite, their goalies are going to be the most expensive. Tristan Yari, 8,300. Boston goalie whoever starts is eighty two hundred. We we'll have to I'll, see. I'll just,
1: I'll just, just to jump in, I, it's probably going to be Allmark. Uh, Swayman hasn't started two games in a row in like seven or eight weeks. They've been pretty consistent on on going back and forth. And Swayman started the last one, so I think it'll be Allmark tonight.
0: Yeah, I mean they're very similar, so I think Allmark's a bit better, but whatever, you know. It's I don't know. Vasilevsky at eight K. Again, I don't really want to be spending up for goalie tonight, so you start going down the list. Uh, Kochekov, 7,500. Igor, 7,400. Whoever starts for Nashville is 7,300. Don't really want to play Vitek Vanacek tonight, but, like, he's 7,200. Joel Hofer, it's interesting, is 7,100. And I think, you know, like, as as much as I really don't want to do it, I, I, I do kind of like Jake Allen here tonight. And, again, I'll just reiterate, just because we love Florida, that's the reason why we like Jake Allen. Not, oh, you know, you love Florida. Why are you why are you, you know, touting the goalie against him? The exact same reason why we like Florida. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, Jake Allen, 7K. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I don't have a ton to add. Like, the two goalies I was considering writing up were basically at opposite ends of the spectrum. Is either going to be Linus Hallmark for Boston Um, He might see some decent shot volume. He's the highest projected goalie that we have here tonight. Also the highest ownership projection as well. Um, Ownership, I don't really care about ownership for goaltending, though. That's not really a big deal for me. But it is Jake Allen that I wrote up. What I mentioned in the article is Florida generates a ton of shots, not necessarily a ton of goals. Like bottom 10 for goals per 60 over the last month. I think 22nd in the league by goals per 60 this season, even though they're a top three shots on goal team. Montreal has been taking fewer penalties. Hopefully, not, you know, Alan won't have to see as much on the PK. Like, he can get blown up. He could allow, you know, four goals on nine shots and be gone by the middle of the first period. Um, that's the danger of, of playing these cheap goalies that face a lot of volume. But uh, I do think he has a uh, big upside as well for that reason. Um, did put in Askarov. Like, shot volumes, shot volume is an issue if Askarov starts for Nashville, but he's also only 7,300. So if you want, like a quote better team uh, to use for a cheap goalie. I think Askaroff is in play. Uh hate to say it, but uh, Stewie Skinner um, in that mid price range, like as long again, as long as he doesn't get blown up, he's been, he's been looking rough. He's not, he's not even in my top five goalies. Um, for me, it'd be Allen, then Allmark, then Askaroff uh, for tournaments. But um, you know, if you just have like that mid price range left uh, in your salary, like I think Skinner's fine for um, a late goalie here tonight.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, goalies are weird creatures. If you
1: have one you like, you play him.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Goalie ownership doesn't matter. Goalie points do. Uh, who you like him for your hat trick pick?
1: Uh, we just talked about him at the end of the show, and he's one of my favorite players in the league. Kings are a wagon. I'm going Kevin Fiala.
0: Nice. I was gonna go Sveshnikov, but he had a hat trick <laughs> the last game. I need to break my streak. I don't think he's gonna go back to back hat hat tricks. <laughs> I was just I, I was saying I don't want to go Homer. I'm going Mika Zibanejad, Power Play City.
1: Whatever. Sometimes, hey, it's it's our last show, 2023. Just go full Homer.
0: Yeah. So we will be back Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, probably next week. We're going to go have some vitamin C, maybe some hot tea, maybe some Jewish penicillin. That's chicken soup. And uh,
1: I can say that. I'm Jewish. Yeah, Josh is Jewish, just I'm so Jewish. everybody knows that.
0: Let's relax, okay? Let's relax. Um, hope the uh, new year brings you some uh, positivity. I don't know. like I'm not good wishing people... Just be happy. You know what I mean? Like, Have a good New year. We'll see you next year. Feel better, Cliffy. And uh, we'll see you you all on Tuesday.
1: Yeah, just, again, just thanks a lot for the support over these last few weeks and all season. You guys have have really been showing up um, for, you know, the likes and the views and and, and registering and stuff. Uh, We certainly appreciate that. We know the last few weeks, you know, been getting sick, losing power. (laughs) Like, it's been a lot that's gone wrong. Brand new year starts in a couple days. Brand new slate of shows start on Tuesday. Uh, New year, new us, maybe. We'll see. Uh, We'll try to get Josh uh, not painted purple. But thanks again um, for all the support. Uh, Certainly have a happy and safe New Year's Eve. And let's win some money tonight. And we'll see you on Tuesday. High five.